Hey, Jeff. Yeah? What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a unicycle and a poorly dressed man on a bicycle? You tell me. <laughs> a tire. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got that. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. But he is always recording. The level of bad oh, that was could I have not, not be yet replicated. begun to defile myself. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another Spotted Goats podcast. I'm Nathan. And I'm Jeff. Holding the, the, the Bible to end all Bibles over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You Flip those pages. I can feel the judgment. No, no, that's amazing, dude. Here today is a uh, a very very special occasion. We've got a a special guest with us today. Our our uh, I should say my dear friend Amy Fritz, uh, who I have admired her work on the Untangled Faith podcast for a very long time. Uh, and many of you out there, I know that if you're listening to us, then you have to be listening to her because you would have definitely found her before you found us. Um, but uh, but Amy does a phenomenal job uh, at uh, podcasting, bringing her heart to people and being able to share stories. And we're going to have a, a great conversation today. So thanks for coming on with us. Thank you. I feel like the stakes are high here. Oh, they are very and high. Also, like... People probably would have found it, found me before you because I started. Po- you just started podcasting like like yesterday, right? Yeah, you don't have to hit us with truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hit you with truth. I told somebody that you were coming on, and their response was, "How did you get her to come on there?" And oh. I said, "Oh, thanks." And they go, "No, no, no. She's just that awesome." No, so. You guys are terrible. <laughs> oh, that's all I need. I feel great, guys. That's all I need. See you next week. All right, we're out. And we're back. So, so what I want to do today is um, I just want to have a conversation. Just to find out a little bit more about uh, not just the Untangled Faith podcast, but I know there's you talk to a lot of different people about their stories. You share a lot of stories. You share a lot of background, and uh, I want to get kind of a an idea about your thoughts on deconstruction. Because we've talked about this before. No, no, everybody, before you, before your heads catch on fire, this is not just an always talking about deconstruction podcast. This is not what we're about. Uh, but it is a phenomenon, as, as Jeff and I spoke about, that needs to be addressed, don't you Absolutely. think? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's become, in some you know, worlds, the taboo word, yeah, yeah. deconstruction, why do you hate Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that's quite what it is. So, Amy, no. why do you hate Jesus? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, no, seriously. What what is what is deconstruction? What is deconstruction, and why is it a thing in your experience? Why is it a thing, and what is deconstruction? Well, first of all, I want to like dispel this idea that there's some sort of organized campaign out there that people are trying to destroy right. Christianity by using this idea of deconstruction. Hold on, I need to take a sip of my adrenochrome. <laughs> I have I have never run into anybody that was like I just want to destroy Christianity, so I'm going to ask questions. That that has not been yeah, right. my experience in the many conversations that I've had. The world is very big, you know. I'm sure it mm-hmm. exists out there. What I have seen is that it's a thing because people have seen a disconnect between the message and the messenger, oftentimes of what they've been taught about their faith in their local experiences and yeah, like local and like 
big like people they admire from afar afar like mm-hmm. speakers they liked evangelists they listened to authors that they considered like heroes of theirs turn out to be jerks yeah. or turned out to maybe not believe a thing mm-hmm. that they said or mm-hmm. we're not sure if they did in the end and so what it is and what i've seen and i'm not a, i'm not an expert on this is people are just saying is it true mm-hmm and I'm gonna just take some things apart. That's what it is. Yeah. Deconstruction is saying, what do I believe? I'm feeling a little bit off kilter, so I'm just gonna take these pieces apart and look at them. Right. And figure out where it came from. Like, can our faith sustain that? Sustain that? If our Christian faith can't sustain that, what in the world are we doing? It's not much of a faith. Right. 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 And and as I'm listening to you talk and saying it like right now in front of me the first time. It's almost like that kid who's got that new toy, that thing that's very special and precious, and is trying to figure out, how does this work? Why why is this so precious? And it's funny, when I look at children doing that, I go, man, look at that. That's awesome. But when I look at an adult do that, not me, but when certain individuals look Mm -hmm. at an adult doing that, with their faith, this thing that's precious and going, I want to know how this works. I want to know more. Why in the world would we look at that like it's a problem? Yeah. Why are we threatened by that? Right. It shouldn't threaten us. And what I'm seeing is uh, this backlash of like, oh, deconstruction and this idea that deconstruction must lead a certain place. Mm. And, And like there is this idea on all sides that say, if you deconstruct, you're going to end here. If you deconstruct, you're you're sure going to end somewhere else. What if, as followers of Jesus, we say, I am wildly unconcerned about where your questions and digging in will lead you. Mm-hmm. The truth holds up in the end. Mm-hmm. It's an insecure faith that says... Don't ask questions. It's interesting how many of the people that have problems with the concept of deconstruction, the concept of taking, you know, our phrase is an honest audit of your of yourself yeah. uh, and your faith. The people that have the biggest problem with that, they are the ones that they just violently, uh, not violently, but it feels violent. They have such a hard time with the concept of letting go of anything. Yeah. I fi- I find it so I find it so unique. The the I, and, and they and because at the same time they have a hard time with the idea of letting go of things, they also have a hard time with the idea or they also would not a hard time, but they would have a they would be very quick to promote the idea of the sovereignty of God. Yeah, if you so, believe so the sovereignty you, of God. Right. It's going to be okay. Yeah, if if you believe this, I don't know. There are seven steps that I've got to follow <laughs> once I agree to the that God has to follow. Right, right, right. Oh, right. As long oh, as God checks all there. Oh, yeah. God, I love having smart people on here for once. This is awesome. What, what if we called deconstruction discipleship? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Feels like it fits. Well, you know, in the in the past, I think. Well, I think for a millennia, that's what we called it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, at, there was a time, by the way, uh, before we go any in, deep, deep, deep into this, a lot of the people that have problems with the concept of uh, deconstruction have no problem with the concept of reformation. Mm-hmm. They were the same thing. 
No, you can't say that. This is what the evil millennials right, are doing like, to the church. <laughs> are we Protestants or not? Right? Like, oh, where, I, where the word protest, the word protest in is in there. Here we go. Um, you will not label me. <laughs> I am a church of one. I know. And before before we, I tell you, this is awesome already. And before we go any further, I want to say a couple of things about just a reminder because I don't think this. I, I think that most people listening to to us understands this, but I want to say out loud, Amy is a friend. And, and and I think that, that your show is brilliant. Do I believe every word that comes out of your mouth as truth? No, we don't have to agree on everything. Mm-hmm. This is called a conversation. I don't agree with 100% of everything that Jeff says. Does your wife agree with 100% of what you say? Oh, she thinks everything I do is art. <laughs> she thinks I'm fantastic. Uh, but our goal, our goal in this is perspective. Right. Okay? And the method of that perspective gaining is conversation. And the key is transmission of ideas. So I want us to, and and in future episodes, I want us to keep this same mentality, okay, Mm -hmm. that a conversation isn't a thousand percent agreement with every single thing, okay? Um, But I think what you do for the record is great. I think it's brilliant. And when she says she's not an expert, sure, I'm not an expert in sociology, but we talked about generations last episode, Mm -hmm. or a recent episode, I should say. Um, But... You learn a lot through experience. So I look yeah. at you as a collective of stories. I look at Untangled Faith Podcast yeah. as a collective of stories and experiences. So as you look at those, are there any common trends that you see with your guests regarding red flags to church or organizational trauma? Yeah. Is there anything that you see people saying commonly that this is where it started and I may or may not have seen it at the time? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a they weren't sure they were red flags and maybe there was some sort of flag and maybe it was yellow or maybe it was orange or they weren't sure (laughs) what it was at the time. But sometimes it is a steady stream of people leaving and not being able to ask about it and not being able to like, you have this idea that you're not supposed to talk to people like you leave your faith community. Um, There also is uh, what I have seen a lot is this heavy leaning into we don't gossip and so we don't have a hard conversation about something hard that might have happened. And how do I follow Matthew 18 when I can't access somebody to go to them personally about a question I have about what's going on with the church? And, and you know, a lot of, like, churches leaning more into business practices mm-hmm. and being discipled by the, you know, I, I put a post out about the Willow Creekification of the churches. Like yeah. we're sent our pastors and elders and deacons and ministers and whatever we call them to learn from business leaders. And what they've learned is how to run a business. And sometimes at the expense of being pastors and, I have seen that as a common thread in people that have felt really disillusioned with churches. And they're being asked to sign non-disparagement and non-disclosure agreements yeah. at their churches. Yeah. And that's weird. I mean, can we just say mm-hmm. that is real crazy? I thought, I thought that we signed a non-disparagement agreement when we signed on with Christ. I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe that's where it started. What do I know? So, you know, like those, those are some of the things. Um, but there is a, I would say the big thing is the, the discrepancy between the message and the messenger and what do I do with it? And then being told in their community 
there's nothing to see here. Trust us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No space for questions or no ability to hold people. Understand the power dynamic issues that go on are very real. And, and a lot of times leaders are not reckoning with it or acknowledging that that is a thing. And the power dynamic issue is one that's gone back for thousands of years. Uh, absolutely. In my opinion. This is not yeah. new. Yeah. yeah. So so we're not trying to say that, that church misbehavior, leadership misbehavior is yeah. new. You know, it's a, the the power versus the kingdom, human power versus the kingdom of peace yeah. has always yeah. been one that I think is, uh, it's been a struggle for a long, long time. We go It goes all the way back to Egypt. Yeah. You know? So, um, and one thing I notice, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I love a good cult podcast, all right? I love a good... Yeah. There's I a love, lot out there, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love a good cult show. Uh, I just finished one on Netflix last night. Uh, Peter Dinklage, by the way, narrating that one. Pretty incredible. Mm. Yeah. How to Become a Cult Leader. Highly recommend. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. Here's <laughs> an ad to, break right here. How do we yeah. take that? Oh, yeah. No, it's actually really, really good. It's worth a watch. It's, it's Netflix, so it's fluff, but it's good. Um, but... One of the things I've noticed with a lot of the people that deal with um, cults or churches misbehaving, any of these organizational, Mm -hmm. institutional religious trauma, they are not dumb people. No. No, these are very smart, usually smart people. Like, if you, even if you look at something like the Heaven's Gate group, for example, the mm-hmm. people in that group were highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. So we're, and I know we're not talking necessarily about the cults like that, but but institutional trauma. Where do you see, uh, or why I should say, why is cognitive dissonance so prevalent amongst really intelligent people, and why do they stick around? Oh, I love this question. This is this is this is a great question. First of all, I want to say cognitive dissonance is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Yes. So so important. Here is where it gets squelched. Our subconscious does this thing that says Nate is going through a lot right now and I do not want him to see that thing over there that's on fire because it's too much for him to handle. So the subconscious says, we don't see that. I'm going to protect Nate. This is called betrayal blindness. Okay. Jennifer Freed like wrote that. a book called Blind to Betrayal. It is absolutely brilliant. I will boss you and tell you to go get that book. Message received. And what she says is this is a wonderful, wonderful gift for a small child that's being abused because their self their psyche cannot handle fully comprehending what's happened to them. It would destroy them. Well, and what I find very interesting is, you know, you know that I bring a mental health aspect to this. So I don't know if you've ever done any reading of Dr. Richard Schwartz, but internal family systems, he has this idea that all of us are wounded in a way and that we have these different parts of us inside that are protecting and that the manager will come in and go, no, 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 I got it. We've got this handle. Don't worry about it. Don't look at that thing on fire over there. And so it's interesting how through the mental health, I wouldn't say it's a science, it's more of an art, but how it all kind of feeds to the same answer, right? So I find that very, very interesting. Yeah, so nobody says, I'm going to go sign up to be a part of a high control group. Right. (laughs) I am going to go become a member in a really unhealthy faith community. Nobody, Nobody does that. 
they they show up somewhere because it meets some need that they mm-hmm. have the need that we are given by the lord for community yeah to be with people and you join that and something really good happens you meet people you create family and they you know in the church we call our you know people brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and and so in order to see that something is wrong may possibly mean you lose your family Mm-hmm. And so what happens with cognitive dissonance is when our brain says, something does not compute, right? Like something doesn't add up. Like I know this to be true, but this is happening and they don't work together. Like I really believe this thing. I thought this was the, the way things were going, but something is doesn't seem to fit with that. And then your brain has to figure out how to sort that out. Because we don't like to feel the dissonance. Yeah, We right. want to it solve it. It is truly it. physically uncomfortable. It is. So that's why I say... Heartburn of the brain. Cognitive dissonance is, <laughs> is great. Because it wakes us up to, like, it, you know, taps us on the shoulder and says, maybe we need to look at this. Maybe something's not right here. And if betrayal blindness <laughs> has let up a little bit, if our psyche says, all right, Nate has a job. These things, this, this fire is out over here. It is, it's, it's safe for him to see this now. He can handle this. Mm-hmm. Let's in the light and you can see the thing. And sometimes just a little bit of a glimmer gets through <laughs> sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you go, okay, all right, something's happening. Now I need to figure out what to do next. Did I answer your question? I don't know, but I said a lot of words. No, no, absolutely you did. And it's interesting that analogy you had at the end. If you're imagining yourself in a dark room, when you see that first sliver of light, you're not even going to see what the light's shining on. You're just going to see the dirt in the air. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And it's the first time. Yeah, I just came up with that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, yeah. but in all seriousness, the, the first thing you're going to notice when you get a little light is if there's dirt, you're going to see it. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. So I think it's such a powerful, yeah, you absolutely did answer it. One of the things, Jeff, and you may be able to speak to this, that I think is interesting about this um, uh, this idea as well is uh, the level of intelligence matched up to hierarchy of needs. When you think about um, you know p- intelligent people that are getting wrapped up in these high control situations, yep. mm-hmm. looking for something that usually is a higher level need. Yeah. And, and I think there's a correlative relationship between, it's sure. almost like they're more apt to be a part of something like that, as intelligent, you know, good, hardworking, intelligent, smart people. Well, yeah, because, and, and I think it's interesting, the whole hierarchy of needs. You know, intelligent fe- people know how to make things happen, right? Yeah. Right. What, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, they're making things happen. So they're getting some of those basic things just kind of done and out of the way. I mean, let's look at Franklin. Right, we've got a lot of intelligent folks around here. When you look at, I mean, we. I thought you were talking about Franklin Graham. I, about- <laughs> I was like Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. Franklin, Tennessee, and his yes. air baths. Yes. yes. And for those um, of you who don't know, Franklin, Tennessee, is a an affluent suburb of the Nashville area. Yep. It's a historic town. It's beautiful. There's a lot going on here. Just want to give you some context. Yeah. yeah. So, and with that, um, you know, you have a lot of folks that are. Um, 
you know, they're not worried about where the next Starbucks is coming from. Right. You know, they're going to go like, oh, McLaren or Lamborghini, right? And so I think what happens is, is once you start to meet those needs, certain things free up. However, that basic need has still got to be met, that need for connection yeah. um, and completeness. And so um, I think that's w- one of those things. But the other piece is, is that I think through the process of one being intelligent, you don't just take things at face value. Mm-hmm. You go, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but then also as adults, they tend to, most, most folks have had some schooling of some sort. And so they've been taught how to dissect thoughts and things. Yeah. And so they start to dig into it and they go, uh, one and one isn't making sense. And um, I just, I find it very, very interesting that you've got certain folks who can look at like the human genome project, right? They can look at the human genome and go, I see nothing but God. Mm-hmm. And how the same intellect and another individual can look at that and go, I see nothing but science. Yeah. And then there's maybe a third that says they are the same. Um, and so I find that to be very, very interesting. And, and I think a little bit, um, we're, we're kind of programmed that if we're intelligent, we should be afraid of faith. Mm-hmm. That if we can't prove it with a meter or a graph, that it's something we can't accept. And the fact of the matter is, is that it can be and it should be at some level. Not, oh, you know, just I'm going because he said so. But um, it comes back to the question we asked in a previous podcast. How do I know Jesus without somebody in between? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's a, it's one of those questions there. If I were worried about where my next meal is coming from, I'm not so sure I'd be asking that question. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so you look at the result of a lot of this power dynamic, though, that you mentioned a few minutes ago, and I love the fact that you talked about that, is the result of that is when, when human beings with anything but the best motivations uh, start executing that power dynamic, you end up with a trail of Pain. Yeah. I don't say pain nearly as comforting and dramatically as Jeff does. I just say pain. <laughs> He's got this timbre in his voice. He's like, pain. I can't even do it. It's just part of it. Oh, my gosh. It's part of the gig. You make pain feel good, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But but the result of this is pain and suffering and trauma. And many of the folks that are listening to this, those of you who are already messaging us, and thank you for that, uh, many of you who are already sending us messages about your experiences uh, know what we're talking about. So why is the intersection of pain and trauma so often near a church or religious body, business, <laughs> institution. This is this is your mm. bread and butter. I'm bump yeah. set spike here. Only some books written about this. If only, if only. Here's the thing. I said this before. I kind of hinted at this. Your faith is your most important thing in your life. And this is these are people that you consider to be your family. Mm-hmm. So when there is something disrupts the most important thing in your life and then the people that you consider to be like your brothers and sisters kick you out of the family right (laughs) what do you do with that they other you they yeah yeah like of course there's going to be deep hurt there is no way around it and there's going to be deep hurt even when people aren't abusive there's deep hurt when people are just unhealthy and they did something stupid Mm mm-hmm you can recover from that a yeah. lot easier, but there's still going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. There's, it's still going to be harm. Um, it's just like any family. It is messy. Mm-hmm. And and as people that believe 
that the Bible says we have a sin nature. Mm-hmm. We have got to also apply that to the people that run our churches and faith communities. We believe that they are not exempt from that. That means that they cannot be given our unquestionable loyalty, unquestioning loyalty all the way through that we just never have any questions. We don't assume that they can ever do anything wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not saying assume the worst. What I'm saying is let's believe what God said about us. We all have a sin nature. We can all tend to make the wrong decision. Let us also apply that to our own beloved communities. This is why it is so painful. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the most important thing, our most important relationships. And generally we end up consolidating our relationships all around one thing and often it's with our church and if something goes south with that you lose so much mm-hmm. like so much is in flux and so there's so much turmoil turmoil so and to that point um and i'm going to come back to internal family systems which may yeah. bore you guys i hope it doesn't i, don't, I love it amy i don't know how much you know about it um, I've been in therapy, so that's how oh, much so, I know about okay. it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, I have a family. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's the thing, and and you know Nathan and I have talked about this before. It's you know pastor fails, we kick him out. You know elder has an affair, we kick him out. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because this is so important that that internal family system idea that firefighter comes screaming in because it's one of the other parts that we typically have mm-hmm. is the, the guy that comes in to protect and says, I don't care what we have to do. I'm going to take care of you. I'm taking the house down around you to get you out. Yeah. And I think we do that with our churches a lot. And I think we see that split. And I think because it is so very precious and because we are so very human, that threat can be the color of the hymnal mm-hmm. or that you don't use a hymnal, you use a screen. And so I think what we've got to do as yeah. believers and disciples is to go, how important is the color of the hymnal? Yeah. You know, wait, wait, worship we're styles, worshiping, all right? those things. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was one of the things we were kidding about beforehand. You know, the things that I have done that I look back and go, seriously, <laughs> this was a problem. Yeah. And now I go, hmm. But the reality is this, and I was taught this by somebody that was not of my tribe, that is my mother-in-law. That's all right. How about okay. this? Yeah. Right? And so... I can't believe you learned it from a woman. <laughs> oh, I got wow. something to tell you. I, I got even... something to tell you. <laughs> when, when I started, when I went through this personal you know, process, yeah. I didn't know to call it deconstruction. Mm-hmm. I said when I walked away yeah. and I started to think... And then I came back, I looked at my mother-in-law and said, I have been a total beep, beep, beep. And her response was, that's okay. Yeah. And I said, how can it be okay? And her response was, he loves you, Jesus. Yeah. He waited on you just like he waited on me. And I knew that you were worth the wait. Now, if that is not how a sister in Christ should treat someone who is questioning who is making error in doing those things. I don't know what is. And that's not to say that she's perfect. But in this moment, she was very much doing, like I like to say, hands and feet work. Yeah. As this, almost 20 years ago, this young man's coming back and finding his faith again. And she says, you were worth the wait. Yeah. So. Right? Yeah. Remember that person 
Yes. I mean, I want people to remember that Jeff or whoever it is, maybe it's you, that had that moment of realization when somebody's coming to you with their current questions. Mm-hmm. Offer as much crazy, radical, like, empathy yep. that you would for that person. Offer it to yourself. This former oh. version, version 1.0 of Nate... <laughs> was doing the best he could. He was probably. doing okay. And like, your your subconscious was doing working overtime to be like, I don't want you to see this right yet. Yeah. It's okay. This is why we have empathy for ourselves and for others. Like it's so hard to have that empathy for yourself. Like I I'm I'm a task oriented person. Mm. And when I mess something up, like I feel it. Like it makes my blood hot. And so, so to, to give that, and, and I know there are people out there that understand this. They, they hate making mistakes. They absolutely detest it and they can't, they can forgive everyone around them, but they can't forgive themselves. Enneagram one one is very strong in this room. Stop reading my journal (laughs) and I have a session open for you next week. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) So, so I want to, I don't. true, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, it cuts down here and I like to say, we've got to be gentle with ourselves. Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't convert with a hammer. Yeah. He converted with open hands and love. I think about, I'm going to say this, and I've got one more final thing, and we have to go, I'm sure, but because we, we don't want to go all night. This is great, though. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun. Um, I, I think about back in my days as a pro Christian, you know, back in my days in the league. And. Keep <laughs> it, <laughs> Jersey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We won't say what number is on it. Nope. <laughs> That's not scriptural. Um, but I think about my interactions with uh, people, with adults and kids and all of that back in the day. And I, for me, I, one of the most liberating moments that I've ever had was when I was finally able to say what you, you know, I, said to my, I said to myself what you told me, not just a moment ago of he was doing the best he could and and i look at a lot of the completely ridiculous things that i taught that i don't believe now many things i do still believe now by the way uh so i'm not throwing the baby out with bathwater but there are there were a lot of things i look at now and i'm like you know he may have taught he being me he may have taught things that he isn't exactly proud of but it all came from a heart that meant well. Yeah. And that's the one thing I could say that that was the way that I was able to grasp onto my own mistakes and, and not drown by them. Yeah. So how can we as a body of, of believers in whatever tribe that you're a part of your opinions, how can we normalize this process of deconstruction and remove the stigma right now that comes with being honest about pain? How do we normalize this? Fix it, Amy. Go. Fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I need three steps because I don't know if I can And it needs more. to be alliteration. Yes, yes. absolutely. Oh, I should have thought that out. Um, I love the word normalize. We need to talk about it. I mean, we just yeah. need to have more conversations. It should not be unusual for somebody to bring up the thing that they're confused about or the thing that they really are like, I'm mad about this thing in scripture. I'm kind of mad at God because I don't understand the thing. That should be the person you ask to read scripture on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, the person that's like standing there and crying because like they don't really get it all the way, but they just, for some reason, God has a hold of them. And put that person in front 
so that people can see that you do not have to be the perfect person to be the person that like sits in community with us in our, in our churches. Not, we're not going to hide them in the corner. I mean, these are people that are elevated as just as important as anybody else. Like the hierarchy needs to go away. Like the, the idea of like, you can come out and play with us once you get it all figured out is not helping any of us. And so I think that it's powerful though. It is. It is. And we like this idea of being able to like achieve these different levels of like winning, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I am an Enneagram two with a real strong three wing. I want to like be the best at the thing and I want to get a trophy for it. And I want people to love me at the same time. <laughs> okay. So, but like at my worst, that's not a good thing. Right. That, that's not going to lead anywhere real good. So I just want people to say, I don't care if you ever become a member of our church. You have a home here. I don't care if you are like looking at me while I'm preaching the sermon, wondering if it's really true. I am thrilled that you are here. Even with your questions, we need you. You are just as valuable. I want us to get to the point where you're welcome here because of your questions. Yeah, not in spite, right? Right. Mm, well, and I know and that's what you meant. I'm not correcting you at no, all. No, I, I like it. But I, we want you here because you're willing to question. I'd love the answer, Amy, because yeah. um, I can tell you in my life, I personally got touched by two people, uh, a husband and wife. Both have very trauma filled stories, and um, local church in Nashville. And a church that has a liturgist, mm-hmm. if that says anything. And I remember them telling our, their stories to me. And he described himself as a man who is a seeker. Because of the trauma in his past, he says, I don't know if I'm a believer, mm. but I'm a seeker. And I said, hey, what are you seeking? And his response was, I'm seeking, hoping to find that God is not a cosmic sadist. Mm. I said, oh. Well, in my head, I go, okay, he's seeking to find the love of God. I showed up at a service the next week, and he is reading scripture from the pulpit. I asked the priest there, why? And he goes, who better to show the journey? Yeah. That acceptance, that normalization or normalizing factor of saying we don't have to be perfect, and we are all at different steps, how many people can look at that and go, I see the love of Christ? Mm-hmm. The church treated him gently in his seeking, and he and then turned around and served the body by sharing the word. Yeah. We all win when we normalize this. Yeah. When so, we're all around, what a beautiful when, story. When we're all around the table, everyone passes the bread. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember it's not our table. Exactly. We are invited guests. Yeah. Amy, you're an amazing human being. Thank you. And your podcast is wonderful. And I've got the, a lot of catching up to do and listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, the untangled, the untangled. If for, you know, for the two of you that have not heard of her show, both of you are great people. I'll see you tomorrow. No, uh, the Untangled Faith Podcast. Amy Fritz is the host. Amy, is there anything you want to say before we sign out of here? I want to say that it is going to be so easy in this journey to slip into fundamentalism. (laughs) (laughs) Even as you reject legalism, which I think many of your listeners are going to be this on this journey, live letting go of legalism and clinging to Jesus. There are people in the world and there's a little part of you that just loves this 
there's this really comfortable with fundamentalism and like where like this idea of exactly where you should be and how where everyone else should be at the same time mm-hmm. and you're going to want to swing there even in a different direction right let's try not to do that <laughs> I'm working on that myself. I I have not figured it out. She literally drops a truth bomb on the way out the door. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, watch this. (laughs) That's because I'm I'm doing this so that you ask me back someday. No. The door is wide open. come back. We didn't scare her away. (laughs) So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Amy Fritz, the Untangled Faith Podcast. Thank you for joining us here on Spotted Goats. And we'll see you guys the next time. Yeah.